Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two for One Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. I'm here in Cincinnati with my guy, Mike Renner, on opening day with producer Mike Quinn as well, ready to rip it up on our bonus listener mailbag. You leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts with a question, we're going to answer it. We will do a 10-hour live show the Wednesday before the draft if we fucking have to. Leave a question. We're going to get there, including international. We're going to do an international mailbag day someday too. Go leave it in there. And also, if you leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of it, 50% chance to win a draft guide, a free PFF draft guide. If you send me a screenshot of it in Twitter, bonus listener mailbag. Let's get it. Buddy, opening day in Cincinnati, the vibes, the energy is just next level. People are streaking down to the banks right now, and it is fantastic. No one's streaking, but... Uh, I'm going to be. I hope so. You said you have to work, though. Um, what's up with that? I couldn't take off? I have a lot. My Thursdays and Fridays are meetings days. It's called first team all meetings days, and I don't. I, I can't do much about it, man. It sucks, but I will get down there. I'll be down there. Half in the bag. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. I, ha- I have some stories to start though, because okay. it's opening day I energy. To, I, I, I was thinking of something good. You have one of my favorite stories you ever had, but I'll tell you this one first. It's a little throwback action. Um, summer before I first go to San Diego State, get invited to a little day party up there in San Diego, eight hour drive from the Bay Area. I said we're in. Me and my buddy Morgan, Morgan Bunges, best friend from high school. We're heading down. And a little to, to kind of set the stage here. In high school, I had a girlfriend for most of my high school career, which. I'm going to look at the camera here. Goddamn shame. One yeah. of the biggest regrets. Here, here's the here's best, here's worst case scenario for a high school girlfriend long, for most of high school. You date all of high school, miss out on all these opportunities to work your game, and then you go off and on your first year of college, and then you just completely botch any chance you have of being like a successful single person until you're like 20. Yeah. So, well, here's, get, and, get, and then here's the best case some scenario. some young play. Never mind. Just keep going. Do you think she <laughs> listens to the podcast? I fucking hope so. I hope her mom does too. But, so that's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, you guys fall into this trap thinking that you're soulmates and you marry your high school sweetheart when all that's happened is you met the person that you're going to marry at 14 years old with all these shared experiences at the same small-ass high school you went to, and then you're like, yeah, we're soulmates. It's like, no, you just have the same fucking personality because all Whoa. you have are the same stories. You're very cynical. It sounds like That's definitely true. That's Good. definitely true. <laughs> Any high school sweetheart that thinks they found their sweet their soulmate is just hot. Like you're you just have, you can soulmates is a joke. The, okay, America yeah, has has normalized soulmate. I'm telling we're you, we're like 30 and 27. We should not be giving anyone dating. Advice That's true. About. That's true. Best case scenario though is that you know. Okay, either way, fuck. I got off on a tangent there. Um, so I'm going to San Diego State with no game. It's pretty much the context there. I got zero game, but I'm ready to make a play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out here what's, on the hunt. What's changed? Uh, shut the fuck up. Um, I'm out here trying to make a play. So then we go to this day party. We're drinking. I'm not even that drunk, dude. I'm out here grinding. And my buddy, for context, is six foot four. I'm like five foot nine, five foot ten in the Tinder bio. So we kind of look like an Oompa Loompa Charlie and the Chocolate Factory situation. Um, these two girls come up to us and they're feeling us. We're working it. I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, you guys should come back to our place after this party. And I was like, hook, sign sealed, delivered. Let's go. My buddy's like, yeah, that's good. And then I come and say this. I'm not even that drunk. They say, yeah, you guys should come to our place. And I was like, we're trying. That sounds good. We're trying to get slayed. I said laid. I don't know what the hell happened. I was trying to say slammed, and I backed out of slammed, and I ended up saying laid. And they looked at me, and my buddy looked at me, and I just like, 
fall into this absolute pit of misery. And I don't know if anyone's been in a pit of misery who's listening, but it was... And you're, here's the train on the tracks on this day party in San Diego, and then I'm just completely off it on its side, dude. I said two two chicks that yeah. wanted to hang out after the party were trying to get laid, and it if, was just an absolute disaster. If you haven't said something completely terrible to a girl and had it just crash and burn, you haven't lived. It's true. I it's have true. one that I cannot say uh, because of the topics involved that I mentioned when I said oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, but you can tell the April Fool's story. But I can tell the April okay. Fool's story. So I was April Fool's pranked harder than... Anyone I know has ever been pranked. Dude, it, this is fantastic. murdered me. So this is my ex-girlfriend, the crazy, the aforementioned crazy one, who ended up kicking my ass. Crazy uh, is an understatement, dude. That chick was fucking insane. But this is how, this is like the kind of genius crazy that she was. So the day before April Fool, she sets it up nice. March 31st, sends me a text saying like, you know, something I really got to tell you. And so we're in a, to context, we're in a long distance relationship for like six months at this point. Uh, she's in Reno, Nevada. And she would go to, she would model on the weekends for some like costume company and always send me pictures of her in different costumes, whatever. <laughs> but this is the day before March Normal. 31st. Yeah. I mean, that's how she made money. Uh, Same. Trying to make a living out here. Right? But, <laughs> but she sends me something like, I really have something to tell you. And she's like, well, one sec, I'm or and she's like, it's kind of long. I'm busy right now. I'll tell you after that night, I like call her. She doesn't pick up. She's like, sorry, like busy. I'll tell you tomorrow. Whatever. Tomorrow comes. I'm at the office here, uh, the PFF offices. And she sends me a text. She's like, this is going to be kind of long. But you know how when I go to uh, those modeling shoots and I'm wearing all those different costumes sending to you, it's not actually for modeling. It's I'm doing porn is what the text she sends me. <laughs> and I'm like. Sitting there, I remember I got up out of my seat at the PFF office. I, remember I just this. walked out the door. I just walked out. And I just start like walking. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I'm just thinking like your girlfriend like tells you that they do porn. I have no clue for six months. And I'm like literally just like aimlessly walking around OTR. Just like I'm thinking. Dead. And she like calls me like three times. And I'm just like not answering. I'm like, I don't even want to think about this. Finally pick up, and she's like, April Fool's. And I'm like, holy Dude, shit. That might be the best April Fool's joke I've ever heard. Yeah. It might be my favorite thing about her. That <laughs> was incredible. But she, uh, yeah, she was just nuts. That was, was that. the believability of it was the funniest yeah. part. It's like, how, it probably, how quickly probably, you were like, you know what she was. And you're like, you're already thinking like the names of the videos and shit. You're ready to go on <laughs> Pornhub and look for them. That's how close you were like, dude, where's she at? Where's uh, she at? Which washer is she stuck in? Let me find this chick out real quick. Dude, that was, oh my gosh, when you told me that. Ah, oh man, it's so funny. That was yeah. so funny. That, such a good, that had me rattled beyond. Like, even after everything was cool, I was still like, like still did not feel great oh, man she she set that herself up well April too show. with the the costume shoots or whatever yeah and the day before having like set yeah up the, the pre-marinate the marinate of that joke was hot yep. very good really respect that one fantastic stuff all right let's get into the mailbag here bonus listener mailbag gonna rip through these excited to do it remember we're giving away draft guides you send me a, a screenshot of your five-star review on apple Podcasts. i'm gonna shoot you a draft guide 50 percent of you i give it out a lot thousands thousands i want to give out more all right how this do you decide the 50%? Are you like... Every other. It's every other. Oh, every other DM. So you just got to be lucky, man. Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry. Playing lottery. It, it's like, yeah, I really can't do much more than that. Also, I will sometimes skew above that 50% number if you have a good joke in the DM. I will say, Ooh. you know, so if, come, you, if come you have... Come correct. You come with a little joke. You say, so one dude said, uh, 
give me a draft guide or I'll commit crimes to your mother. I was like, you know what? I'm in. <laughs> I like this guy. This guy's to the point. Take crimes with your mother. Yeah. Probably Maybe he said that. <laughs> All right. This is from S7WW3X. With the Browns being on a bit of a win now situation, do you think it would be in their best interest to trade up to the 14 to 17 range if a player like Parsons or Pay drops? Trade up to the 19 to 20 run range for JOK or Morig? Or go for the player like Zayvon Collins at 26. Also, with Joe Woods wanting to transition to a 4-2-5 defense, do you think JOK or Collins would be a better fit for the scheme? Yeah, you, you pay such a premium to get up to that range, though. Like, if that guy falls to 20, Parsons falls to, like, 20, and you're giving up, you know, a third rounder to get up there or something like that, mm, yeah, sure then. But you're kind of giving up your draft if that guy falls to 14, 15. That's a little too much to me. You're not a perfect roster, and one guy is not putting you over the edge, in my opinion. So I would be hard-pressed, like I said, until it gets to the 21 range. That's what I'd look. And I think Jeremiah Uskormo would better scheme fit because he can even play that third safety role is the thing. Like he can play that, you know, the 4-2-5. Obviously, I think Ronnie Harrison's going to be the guy in that dime back or the uh, nickel whatever when you are going three safety sets. But I think Jeremiah Uskormo, his selling point, his what he brings to the table that a lot of guys don't, pretty much no one else does at the climax position, is that ability to cover slot. That's why he did it in Notre Dame. So I think that's very valuable, and that's who I would go. I do think, though, when you're looking at this, <clears throat> if Parsons starts to fall to 20, it's for a reason. I think it's if it's less of an opportunity to get on the phone. It's more of an opportunity <laughs> to like, double-check why the hell we're so high on Parsons. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we all the reason would be his off-field issues. Yeah. No one wanted to take a chance. I've had a handful of people wanting us to go deeper into those off-field issues. And I think it's important to comment on overtly explaining some of the details that we've heard about off-field issues with um, Michael Parsons and even some of the other players, I feel like it's just not our game. You don't want to fuck with people's bag like that, right? Uh, just he was involved in the Penn State bullying scandal. and like. But that, you've heard that details up. beyond that. But yeah, I've heard details beyond that, which like can neither confirm nor deny, but like he was actually named. was, And so it's that would be, that's his off-field issues. Yeah. The details beyond that are worse. Yeah. But this is from, I think this is from the same guy. He's got two reviews in here. Or no, it's the same question. You just double copied it. No. Wait. Yeah, it is. Fuck. Idiot. All right. This is from <laughs> Idiot. This is from Bear May 3. I thought people were just super interested in Jeremiah. They're not. Scormo. Saw a post on Instagram from BR Gridiron, and it posted the question of how who, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and Devontae Smith? What would you say to that? If no, is there any combination of two players that you would rather have than Lawrence? I would say no. such a no. classic BR Gridiron, just like it is. weak content. That's Dude, like don't hit on BR oh, Gridiron. They hire, they crush, they crush engagement. They feed yeah, ten. I mean, just, but yeah, ten, that's what I'm saying. Just like a pure engagement player. Yeah, tw- well, their audience is like 12 to 18 years old. People that scroll, you know, mindless news and engagement. Mm. And it's fine. I think they do a good job. Is that your that age range on Tinder? Easy, easy. That no one. That's not a joke. Okay. <laughs> anyway, who, what combination? So you would say no to Justin Fields and Devontae Smith? I would say. I'd probably say, oh, God, that one's tough. I'd say no. I want Trevor Lawrence. I don't care if you give me Devontae Smith. Yeah, I, I, want- I think the only like guys I would – like Zach Wilson, Pitts, Chase, Sewell, I could do outside besides Trevor Here's Lawrence. Here's my answer. I'd take like Zach guys. Wilson and Justin Fields. Oh. That's what that's what I want. That's what I want. There you go. And then if I can, whatever quarterback's better, I'm going to play them. <laughs> and then hopefully I actually hit on one of these guys. That's the only two combination I'd take. All right, this is from Sky Pie Butt Cheeks. Well done, kid. For the Saints, three targets. Is this guy from Bleacher Park Red Iron? <laughs> um, for the Saints, three targets in the first round, three in the second, and three in the third, 
Who would you select? Oh, fuck, I missed the three and the third. I, I, I like the way cornerback value could be shaping up for them. And obviously, they're kind of an all-in team every year, so they're going to go for immediate need, which is cornerback. You have Patrick Robinson, kind of a now career slot guy, slotted in as your other outside cornerback across from Marshawn Lattimore. And you also have Marshawn Lattimore uh, getting possible charges against him. So, first round, I love Caleb Farley. Like, if Caleb Farley falls there, I'll be the one that takes that chance by all means. Greg Newsome as well, or Terrace Marshall, a speed wide receiver, a better version of uh, what's his face there, the guy that drafted in the third round from UCF. Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith, bang. Second round, again, cornerbacks. And there's some speed there at the cornerback position that I think will be on the board in the second round, whether it's Tyson Campbell from Georgia, Eric Stokes from Georgia, Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. Get you one of those guys. Calvin Joseph at his pro day, I think, had a four two seven something in the four twos. It was not in the four twos. Yes, it was. I mean, Kentucky reported a four two. I think the scouts on the ground were four threes, but he's fast. All right, yeah. Oh, scouts on the ground, according to Dale and Jeremiah, had a four three four. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Kentucky actually had a four one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do think that um, the the pro day discourse on the timeline has been toxic. People are wanting to throw out the numbers. People want to, you know. I don't know. I, I do think that you can't throw out the numbers that come from the scouts because those are yeah. the numbers that ultimately go on the board yeah. for the for the teams that are drafting these players. Like, say what you want. Like, Just oh, Jamar Chase isn't a 4 4 threes guy. He's more of a 4 4 guy. It's like, I okay. But the team's drafting him. When they have his name on that, whatever that board looks like, next to it, it says his height, weight, and the fucking 40 he ran at the pro day. Yeah. I mean, you always like should always give a little adjustment in your head for a pro day. Yeah. But also, you will run faster when you are – in your place that you've been training or the school that you've been at for four years and are waking up and are in an environment you're used to, as opposed to going around and traveling around Indianapolis for a week before you have to run your 40. Yeah. And they do all the interviews before they run their 40 yard dash. A lot of the players talk about how exhausted they are by yeah. the time they actually do any of the on-field drills because they're doing so much and just yeah. consistently the meeting with teams, consistently meeting with the media. I mean, I've talked to a handful of players like that was like the most exhausting week of my life because you're doing so much. All right. This is from Tyler4242. With the Cowboys seemingly locked into drafting a cornerback at 10, should they continue to attack the secondary or draft a guy like Creed Humphrey in the second and try to replace Travis Frederick in the middle of the offensive line? Can I start with yeah. a follow-up question? Creed Humphrey is ranked 70th, I believe, on the big board. A lot of people think he should be higher than that. What's your opinion there? Uh, I think he's good. I think he's a solid player. Obviously, interior office lines not a super valuable position and he just he got his butt kicked by Bravion Roy he I think he struggles with lower center of gravity nose tackles I think yeah this might be better at guard but I would in my opinion take advantage of the tackle class if you're the Cowboys you saw what happened like Tyron Smith Lyle Collins not pinnacles of health Smith especially at this point in his career with all the issues he's had I'm not sure you can completely rely on him. Take advantage of how deep the staff class is. Get a guy maybe with some versatility you can kick inside also. That's where I'd go in the second round if I was the Cowboys. There you go. There you go. All right, this is from PNW Brian 360 Northwest. Oh, love that. Everyone talks about the first round and free agency, but my Niners are losing lots of players to free agency, and the lower cap is going to make free agency difficult to navigate. Who are some quality depth pieces and starters the Niners could target in rounds three to five, where they currently have six picks? Interior offensive line, corner, safety, edge, a wide receiver three, tight end two, all needs on the depth chart. Who's a good fit? Or how would you approach those mid-rounds to find a few key starters on a rookie contract? Quinn, I think I have a request. 
Anytime we're reading one of these mailbag questions, if you could just flash the image from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the guy who's um, like working the chart with Charlie Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just flash it when I'm ever reading these Charlie. types. At any point on YouTube, if you just flash it, so you know the mindset these people are in. But they no longer have that third round pick. Obviously, oh no, that was a 2022. They have all these picks. Who do they go for? So I think a big thing to keep in mind here is what positions can you normally find in this range of the draft? Yeah, throw out interior neat. offensive line for sure. Safety for sure. You could find those heavily at those points in the draft. Tight end as well. So dream tight end, Tommy Tremble. He's there in the third round. Run that card in. That guy is going to be a fit for your offense there in San Francisco. Interior offensive line, some names I'd throw out. Kendrick Green from Illinois. Brady Christensen, BYU. Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame. Some tackle converts in that mix. Um, they obviously signed Alex Mack. Alex Mack at this point in his career. Not sure you can count on 100% with his injury history. Um, like I said, probably not where I'd address edge. Some safeties, some box guys I think could fit in that defense. Divine Diablo, Virginia Tech. Tyree Gillespie from Missouri in that range. And then the cornerbacks that will come off the board in that range that I would say are good fits could be Maybe not immediate starters, starters in time. Benjamin St. Juice, Minnesota. Paulson Nadebo, Stanford. Trill Williams, one of my faves. Syracuse. There you have it. This is from Daniel N.D. <clears throat> to what extent can a unique skill set transcend positional value? I'm thinking specifically about Jeremiah Wusukormo, who plays a lower value position, but his exceptional cover skills at his position he brings something highly valuable to a defense that other linebackers don't bring. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that coverage value enough to make him a smart round one pick? Or are you still better off finding other avenues to acquire a linebacker? He bridges the gap, honestly. Like linebacker, the high end of the position, the difference makers are still valuable. I think it's very similar I, to tight end in that I, range. I just think, yeah, I just think the biggest thing about it is there's not a lot of them. Like there's not a lot of guys who are consistent difference makers. Whereas positions like edge, wide receiver, you can rely on year to year them being going above and beyond. But like linebacker, you've seen guys can just be up and down, scheme dependent, that sort of thing. So if you think the guy like that bridges the gap, he's more closely valued than to like a safety or a cornerback if you really are a consistently good coverage player in what PFF War does. I actually just wrote about this today. Go check it out on pff.com about value in the draft. And one of the biggest things in there is kind of how we value positions, positional value, and how what PFF War says are the tiers of positions. So I'm going to go through and read these. And this is PFF War. Take it or leave it. Do I 100% agree with this? No, but this is what PFF War says. Tier one, quarterback. And tier one is almost four times more valuable than tier two in terms of these are how much worse as a quality starter not a high-end starter but just like your run-of-the-mill 10 to 15 top 10 to 15 player range at the position is tier two wide receiver safety cornerback tier three edge offensive tackle tight end linebacker interior offensive line then tier four running back defensive tackle big part of the defensive tackle thing they don't play a lot of snaps like your run-of-the-mill defensive tackle will play 600 snaps in a year your run-of-the-mill wide receiver plays a thousand snaps a year right away that's value. So tier the tier one's four times more valuable than tier two. Tier two around one and a half times more valuable than tier three. And then tier three around one point two five times more valuable than tier four. All according to PFF War PFF wins above War. replacement. There you have it.
That's awesome. I mean, and, and again, that that's <clears throat> there's been a lot of discussion on this podcast about the difference between on-field positional value, that's PFF Ward, that's the numbers you're speaking to now, and also market positional value yep. where you're looking at how much these guys are paid. And these somewhat align where you see there's some opportunity is yep. in the safety class, tier two, you know, safety's in tier two of this, but yep. getting paid way lower on the scale. Paid and then you look at four. edge in tier three, but getting paid way above even what some of the tier two guys are being paid. So interesting stuff there. I'm glad. So yeah, that's, uh, I would suggest if you're more interested in that topic, I go more in depth in the. Go to pff.com. Yeah. Uh, Someone mentioned the YouTube comments recently and it kind of really hit me hard. Um, Someone said is when Austin's hanging out with people and they say something somewhat agreeable, does he said that's, does he say that's a great take? And I do, I do say that's a great take a lot. I'm a fuck me, man. People are getting me. They're on me, man. All right. This is from, bit bitey mike regarding notre dame hell yeah why do you think analysts seem relatively low on notre dame prospects overall i think it's just i'm high on them what what there's it's no notre anti-catholic dame bias, bias. <laughs> also are you bitey mike did you submit that question yourself? i did not submit bitey mike. are you did no i think jok has an argument as a better modern day linebacker due to elite coverage ability eichenberg gives me mcglinchy flashes okay this guy's just riding the fucking rainbow there in south bend uh, i think jok has an argument as a better modern day linebacker due to elite coverage ability eichenberg gives me mcglinchy flashes of being a very solid very solid from day one and the pass rushers hayes and ade remind me of romeo quara who was an undrafted free agent and has carved out a nice career regarding the giants why do you think they should what what do you think they should do after pick 11 of the first round which everyone is mocking as a playmaker we have issues at cornerback two pass rusher offensive line elite receiver talent despite good depth at the position i want them to address it in free agency but their limited cap room concerns me and we don't have crazy draft capital to address these needs this year they obviously added kenny galladay helping with that elite receiver talk to me about the notre dame guys and what the giants should do all right so the notre dame prospects it might just be, if you're listening to me, I may just be a little higher on them than most. This might be the thing. Or you seem like a Notre Dame fan. It might just be, you might be a little too close to the, a little too close to it. But I will say this. I think a lot of people are high on JOK. I think he's going to go very high in the draft. Eichenberg, he has 32 and 3 eighths inch arms. So he's going to be seen by a guard as a lot of teams. Most teams, in fact. I, I think there was one tackle in the NFL last season who started with sub 33 inch arms. And it was Braden Smith, who was a college guard, who a good college guard. Yeah, but like, it is rare, and especially at that, that he would be one of the shortest arm tackles in the NFL. So, I think that's why a lot of people will be, are saying probably a second rounder. And then Hayes and Ade reminding of Romeo Aquara. It's like Romeo Aquara was on his fourth team before he <laughs> figured it out. He was not super coveted highly early on in his career. The length, though, I can see Ade. The comp there. Hayes is just, he's got another guy, short arms, short arms on the edge, not a great thing. So for the Giants, take advantage of the elite talent. You're at pick 11, premium pick. You're in a class with some blue chip type talent, and there's going to be a ton of quarterbacks going before you. At least four or five. You're not going to be in, in the, the mix for one. It's going to push talent down the board. Don't be, and unfortunately, you have a front office and you have a GM who wants to save his job. So he's probably going to fill, probably going to try to shoehorn one guy like a Rashawn Slater into a need. Now, Rashawn Slater is a great player. He's probably a blue chip talent in his own right, especially on the interior if that's where you're plug and playing him. So no discussion there. That's fine. But like I said, take advantage of just top end talent because a wide receiver redraft, he'll start right from day one. Offensive lineman draft, he'll start from day one. 
whatever the other positions there that are blue chip out tight end Kyle Pitts, he'll start from day one i think any of those guys that you do get will be day one starters so i think they should lock go. into a tackle or a wide receiver what lock into yeah what if it's christian derisaw on the board i said a tackle or a or, receiver okay yeah. yeah yeah i mean if they're if there's the blue chip ones on the board, but just take it like the board, how it's stacking up at the top, you could use any of those guys. So just BPA there besides QB. What would be a or tackle QB. receiver that makes sense for them at 11 or non tackle receiver that makes sense for 11? Non tackler receiver, Kyle Pitts. Oh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Okay. Kyle Pitts would be insane. If yeah. he gets to 11 after that pro day, I would be down. Yeah. All right. This is from Fred Wee. Questions for you would be how many prospects do you see as blue chip slash high impact players in this draft? My thoughts are seven to eight. Am I crazy or is that too high? Also, what's your favorite place to get film on guys? Paid for free, paid or paid for or free options? I guess Fred Wisconsin would be that. Yeah. His name. Uh, three blue chip quarterbacks. Lawrence, Wilson, Fields. And then I have, let me count this real quick. Eight blue chip other players penny sewell cal pitts jamar chase micah parsons oh i wrote jamar chase twice so that'd be seven then jalen waddle Devonte smith rashawn slater so that's 10 blue chip guys i see in this class yeah and then uh favorite place to get film is pff ultimate that's a cop out i will say this though i've had i don't that. know i just don't a know lot of people else. ask that question it's just not there isn't like youtube you can get a lot of the broadcast film there, but yeah. it's not going to be cut up. It's going to be a grind to watch if you're looking at specific positions. And also, it's very hard to find all 22. So if you're trying to watch wide receivers or safeties or corners, it's going to be very difficult. You got to have a friend. Yeah. Someone in the mix. Someone who's got like access to the, the yeah. clips. All right. This is from Mitch Trubusky. Building around Herbert slash Borrell. He spelled it with an O. After seeing two young quarterbacks in the 2020 draft hit the ground running, if you were the GM of the Chargers and Bengals, what moves would you make this offseason in the draft and free agency to build Super Bowl contenders around Burrow and Herbert? Love how the Chargers would address their offense line. I don't think it should be done yet, though. I think you should draft a tackle of the future. If not a 13, somewhere in the second round. You got to... You If you surround him with, give him the most ideal, you know, get the horses, the firepower to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, because you got that defensively. Like, you got talent defensively. You got blue chip talent defensively. You can hang on that side of the ball, but you got to be able to put up the points on the offensive side of the ball. So, give Herbert everything. They've, like I said, they've done a great job of that already. Bengals, young offensive talent. I don't care where it is. Like, if they draft Jamar Chase, Cal Pitts, I, I would not be mad whatsoever with Jeff Penny Sewell. Like, they're in a great spot. Just get one of them because get young talent for Burrow to grow with to keep this for the next decade a good situation for him because all the money they've thrown around has gone defensively like riley reef was their signing offensively and it was fucking for pennies compared to what they're giving out to the defensive contracts on that side of the ball so you better better keep joey be happy what's your opinion of if say the atlanta falcons at four don't trade out and they take kyle pitts and then you have one of the you know, four or five best quarterback, you know, fourth or fifth best quarterback still available, and there's teams calling up to trade, like the Panthers, Denver, New England. Do you think yeah. it would be smart for oh, Bengals yeah. trade back? Because I know some Bengals fans want to, and Quinn, you could probably speak to this, want to lock into getting one of those blue chip guys. Like, I want a Pitts, Chase, or Sewell. I want them, and I don't want to trade out. I don't want to end up with the the position two or the second best at those positions. I want those guys. I still feel like the trade back, if the quarterback's there and you got the people coming up to do it, I think that's the move. Yeah, I just said seven blue chip players outside the quarterback class. If you move down to Eight, nine, you're going to get one of them. Yeah, very true. All right, this is from Trill Jones. 
Falcons trade back. Do you think the Falcons should trade back? <laughs> we don't have cap to fill our needs. The draft could be our best chance to reload. Edge, safety, and guard will definitely be there if we do. What's your take? Yes. I mean, yes. And I, and I would even do it with the Panthers from the Falcons GM. You have to get a bidding war. Like, when a quarterback is available, that if you're not going to take them, you can get so much in return. Look at what the Dolphins just got, my lord. Three first-rounders. And you're not going to get that, but you're going to get another first-rounder. And it might be from a team who may not be great next year because they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback. You know? Yeah, can we talk a little bit more about... Like, if it's the Panthers, the Panthers might still yeah. be... Like, if, they're, if they cut Teddy B and let, I don't know, Trey Lance or whoever it is rip. And it's like, if you don't think that guy's good enough yourself to make him the quarterback of the future, why do you care if the Panthers get him? Yeah. You know? It's true. I don't understand why there is... Like, I know it's like natural to say like oh there's no way the panthers and falcons trade together because they're in division but wh- why exactly why exactly you only played them twice you play them twice among what now is se- 17 games you play them two of yeah. 17 games and and a third wild card like you get into the playoffs if you're a good team now yeah there's no oh i went 11 and 5 and didn't make the playoffs i guess you kind of the who that have dolphins this year went 10 and 6 but still that's fucking a rarity so i do think that i just don't really understand why you don't why are you trading with anyone if you think it helps them, regardless of if they're in your division? You know, like yeah. people are like, oh, you don't want to help the Panthers get their quarterback. You don't want to help any team get their quarterback. Yeah. What's the point of helping any team get their quarterback? If you think you're helping a team in any trade, regardless if it's with a non-division or in-division, you're fucking up. You're like, why are we helping them? Yeah. Don't. Like, help yourself. If the Carolina Panthers are willing to offer you two first-round picks and a future second, who gives a fuck if you play them twice a year? I do think that's fair. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why there's so much hes- hesitancy to trade in division. All right, jumping to ominous fanhood. Fanhood. All right, ominous shoelace. Should more teams, he has a three part or two part question. Should more teams be trading late round picks for veteran offensive linemen? This not only raises the performance for the unit as a whole, but helps fill a need with a similar contract length as a six round pick anyway. Yes. So, PFF Steve, I believe it was Steve. Maybe it was Timo. Risk. I think it might have been Timo. Timo wrote a great article last year about how the second-year leap that everyone talks about, the second-year leap, is really the third-year leap for offensive linemen. They are far more likely to hit in year three. And so you're, you, got, you get half a rookie contract when you draft an offensive lineman, basically, of production. If that's a, even on hits, even on guys you draft that are good, even on guys like Donovan Smith, DJ Humphreys, Eric Fisher, turned out to be good offensive tackles. Not until, basically, you had to pay them again. That's just problematic. Like that's not that's not the cap savings. Then you like I said, you might as well flip that whatever fourth, third, fifth. Then to get that guy, you know, is good, and take out the the uncertainty in that uh, and that developmental curve that throws out Austin Jackson mm-hmm. at year one and just has him get eaten by wolves. So yes. And to part two, did you read part two? I didn't read part two. Re- Can I read, read part two? Let's the go. Saints are one of the only teams that have used two quarterbacks during a game to throw off a defense. Taysom Hill and Drew Brees combo. Would adding another dual threat quarterback slash rusher take the combination to the next level? I will battle that, that the Eagles also used two quarterbacks. Oh. Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfeld. And I think Ravens did too back in 2018. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's true. Um, dude, people are obsessed. This is like the third question I think we've gotten people about. People want this. Do we want yeah, Joe Burrow, Sam Ellinger. Uh, yeah, that that's yesterday? right. Yeah, was that was that also just a Texas episode? diehard. That guy has the University of Texas, literally the, the words yeah. University of Texas on his chest. <laughs> but it's it's intriguing. I mean, I, I like I said, bat, any backup quarterback I have would just be a runner. 
in the NFL today because it doesn't make sense otherwise. It's just too limited quarterback talent. But and it draws headlines like it's sexy. It's like ooh, that's new. But <laughs> a third, a little menage a trois at the quarterback position seems overkill. It's better in theory than in practice. What do you mean a third? That's what he's asking for. Do you want a third quarterback in in the in this mix? Oh, another! I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh my God, he wants three like moving parts of the triple quarterback. Option. That's interesting. Hey, hey, I got an idea. Hit me. What about four quarterbacks? <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I kind of like that. That's you can get the... to us. Want? I'm not. I'm not against it. All right, this is from Michael Danger Powers. What do you think the best offseason strategy is for the 49ers? Free agency and draft. I said it. I think I said it at some point. Hopefully, I did. Pull the clip. I have no clue when I would have said it, but sell out for a quarterback. They fucking they did. It's true. Keep quarterback class. That's true. Sell out for a quarterback. You said that multiple podcasts. Yeah, just because you're not going to get closer, and they did it. And at that point, you know, you're not going to be able to add much in the future in terms of draft picks. Uh, they obviously re-signed Trent Williams. Don't have a ton of cap space. You're not going to be players, but you had a roster that made the Super Bowl two years ago and mm-hmm. largely intact, besides you know some key losses, Richard Sherman. Uh, being one of those. A lot of the homegrown talent is still there. But yes, the guys that you hit on over the course of the past handful of drafts are still in the mix. The only one I think they've lost on was DeForest Buckner, but they got a first-round pick out of it. Yeah, you know, Javon Kinlock. Yeah, be, could that, be him. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. I do think... This like, was a that's, power that's move that's by San Francisco. That's what you had to do, and now that guy, year two, year 2022, could be, could be money team. All right. Looking at Christian Magician Erickson. Please convince Bills Mafia that drafting a running back in the first two rounds is stupid. This game is won in the trenches, and we should consistently be investing in protection for our quarterback. Who do you think, who do you like for the Buffalo Bills at 30? We, it's hard to convince Bills Mafia of anything right now because we were obviously significantly low on Josh Allen, which well, I'll remind you, along with everyone else, people are like, you know, you should have never counted out Josh Allen. Everyone through two years of Josh Allen didn't think he was good. Full stop. No one thought he was good. He got significantly better, but. Very hard to convince Bills Mafia of anything right now. I do think, though, offensive line is the way to go at 30 for the Bills. Yeah, and it's like you drafted running backs in the third round two years in a row. You think you're better at running back scouting now James Conner is on the street. He's still, like, signable. Like, you can go get James Conner. I don't understand why you ever spent a first round That's not that appealing to me. But you, you drafted two guys in the third round at the running back position. Maybe just admit to yourself you suck at scouting running backs at that point. What's the, I think you should leave guy, the old, pull up that clip where he says, admit to yourself that you suck, Quinn. Let's get that one in there. Admit to your old, from Tim Robinson's, <laughs> yeah. I think oh, you yeah, should yeah. leave. Admit um, to yourself that you suck. But the, there's talent. Those are talented guys. You thought highly enough of them drafted in the third round. Get the offensive line fixed. Like mm-hmm. the offensive line, everything in the PFF grading system database, every thing says offensive line is the main driver of rushing game success the running back is a small portion of that now it's a portion but again you think you have quality guys there because you drafted third rounders two of them so guy at 30 i would go first tevin jenkins if on the board dylan radens also if on the board tackles that can play on the interior because it's a deep tackle class yeah I mean, because you look at Daryl Williams and Deion Dawkins, both signed through 2022. I think even Dawkins is signed through 2023. But you look on the interior, Cody Ford, Mitch Morrison, John Feliciano. I mean, you can have you have opportunities to upgrade there. If not, have depth. Like there is importance. There's I would argue that your swing tackle is more important than 
your running back in some ways. I mean, I don't know if it's like as equal, but I do think that having a good swing tackle is important, or at least an offensive yeah. lineman that come in depth. There is close. To, what's the percent likelihood that all five of your starters along the offensive line play Stay every okay. 16 games? Very low. low, very low. Like, I don't think you should be avoiding, uh, especially with the value of having offensive linemen on rookie contracts, especially talented ones at the back end of the first round. All right. This is from R. Brown 2. My question regards a potential rule change. Ooh, this should be fun. As is, there aren't many pre-snap regulations for defense, motion, alignment, promenimity? Pronimity? I don't know. He spelled this word wrong. I think he's going for proximity, maybe? I don't know. Like there are for offense. Running backs have been screwed by the developments of the past decade. So what would you think of limiting the number of defensive players allowed within two yards of the line of, line of scrimmage to open up gaps? Maybe to five or six so you could still press on the outside? Also, I'd love to die up with you guys at a tailgate if you ever make it to ND. One, we're making it out to ND. We're going to the UC game. UC game. Definitely going to die up too. Do we need any more rules to just take a shit on defenses? I don't think so. Like already we're seeing insane scoring right now. If you start yeah. to do how many people are allowed to be within two yards of line scrimmage, like Bill Belichick's going to pull his hair out. And I hate pre-snap alignment ones because they they get missed all the time. I feel like fair. Like they're they're just uncalled and I, I don't care for them. So no, I dislike this rule. Sorry, buddy. It's I. And again, I, I don't like. I don't think the rules should swing more in favor of the offense. That would just it, this one would completely change the game. I do think that. I don't like know. think about you, a goal line situation. You can only have five guys in the line of scrimmage. Dude, you're just gonna get wrecked. I, I don't think it, it would definitely encourage teams to run the ball more. Yeah, I mean that's definitely part of it, I guess. And the NFL does not want that. I know Trust the NFL me, doesn't do want that. The they NFL wants want points. We talked about this on the last podcast where you got into me about marketing in the NFL and how they've done such a good job in the offseason. The rule changes, while you guys think is to make the game better and more fair, and it's it's not. It's how do we make more money? Oh, more points. I think we're going to make defense a lot harder. All this different stuff. I definitely think that is the move. All right. Let's go ahead and jump now to off of our Brown to Doofendick. My Did dad's we name. have Doofendick before? Maybe. We have. I have. I, that's that's a, a tough name to forget. <laughs> how is this? Yeah. How is this guy getting multiple in here? I don't care, man. Make a system? play, dude. Make a play. Right. Bit of a BDSM question. Here is a Patriots fan. Oh, God. Sorry. I'm scared you weren't going to wake up until halfway through I don't the podcast. know. B- bit of a BDSM question here as a Patriots fan. Where would you rank Nikhil Harry in this year's wide receiver class? Hmm. Holy shit. Hmm. Not highly. I mean, we were not high on him coming out. I think we had a third rounder on him. Did not expect him to go in the first round. Um, so let me think. In that range, he would be in the 15 or so, for like third rounder. There's a lot of guys high. Top two rounds in this class. I think it's 15 or so. 15th, 16th. Around there. Would you take him ahead of Cade Johnson, who's at 79 on our board? Yeah, I probably would have as a prospect coming out. Okay. But that's Josh Palmer at 72. That's probably about the range. She's probably in that range. Fair enough. So Deami Brown at 46. And there's kind of a significant significant drop off to Palmer at 72, who I'm talking to today, by the way. Josh but Palmer. Deami Brown, I think then you'd have Nikhil Harry, maybe in the 50s range. Yeah. All 60s, right. 70s. This is from AJ Boos. My question is, would you rather have a high draft pick in each round, example, say, top five pick in each round, so seven total, or a bunch of draft picks in the middle of each round, picks between 15 and 20, and around 12 to 14 picks total? With how a majority of picks don't really pan out, I'm wondering if you'd rather have quality picks or quantify of, or quantity of picks to maybe increase your chances of getting players that help your team. I'm going with the latter. Yes. And so, again, I wrote about this in today's value article. I tried to 
everything we talk about in terms of value in the draft, whether it's the salary cap stuff, whether it's how much picks are worth, I tried to lay it all out there for you guys in this article. So I was, like I said, if you're interested in this stuff, I would suggest going and reading it. But one of the biggest things in PFFs, like we did a historical study about success rates, certain picks, how much those guys impact the football field. And one of the biggest things about uh, like PFF wins above replacement, the model that we came up with for how much val- how much you should value draft picks is that the NFL trade value charts and how much the NFL puts a premium on these high picks is completely off. They completely overvalue the hit rate and how impactful a top 10 player can be versus what two players who maybe aren't top 10 players but are you know lower down the board can be. Basically, two picks at the end of round one are about as valuable as a top two, top three pick in the NFL. That's what the data says in terms of success rates of those respective picks. You would never be able to trade, you know, the 30th and the 31st pick for the number two overall pick that you get laughed out of the building. But in terms of your chances of those, the impact those guys will have in the football field, those are about equal. So the more picks, and especially because of one later on in the draft, they're cheaper. And two, more guys in rookie contracts. You can always, free agents always exists. You can always go sign guys. You can never go back to rookie contracts. You know, you can never go back to the go, having those guys cheap. So more players on rookie contracts is always preferable for team building strategy. Absolutely. I mean, it's why a lot of teams like to value getting as many picks as possible and making it's, sure they have a ton of it's picks. That's why I look at the Colts right now top five cap space because they have a zillion guys on rookie deals mm-hmm. smart all right this is from john doe 24413 um losing all hope for the broncos quarterback situation one is trading up to get one of the big four the only way for george Patton to get a franchise quarterback to the broncos two who is the worst quarterback drafting franchise in the nfl i think broncos might have a legit case because elway was a trade was a trade and peyton was a free agent a free agent I think Jay Cutler is pretty comfortably the best quarterback draft in the franchise history. Bears are up there, though. They All they also haven't tried, go back to like Cade McNown in the late 90s, um, they've been bad. Yeah. Uh, so the best way for the Broncos to get a quarterback, obviously, Drew Locke, again, changing the game a la Josh Allen, could uh, get you a franchise quarterback. But in this draft... I, I would not suggest they be another player in like the second round. That's kind of been their MO in LA era of quarterbacks is they always got not their guy or not the guy in the draft. They always kind of just like took what took what fell to them, took the afterthoughts in the quarterback class. And while they've looked like fucking afterthoughts on the football field. So you're in a position in a rare quarterback class to make that play and have not heard much smoke about him. Obviously everyone's, Panthers moving up, Panthers moving up. Everyone's banging the table for them. Haven't heard that same energy for the Broncos, but man, I especially, especially if like Mac Jones is the guy who goes at three, they should be all in on that fourth overall pick. It's the prospect comparisons, even for Trey Lance, who is similarly like similar sort of strengths and weaknesses to a Drew Locke is so much better of a prospect than Drew Locke was coming out that it's not even like not even a question in my eyes. 
And you are a good fucking roster right now. Look how much talent they add to that defense. Like, this should be... This team can compete tomorrow. And to pin that hope on Drew Locke becoming good all of a sudden would just... I mean, they have to be on the phone for Atlanta. They have to be on the phone if Atlanta grabs Kyle Pitts or doesn't grab quarterback for Cincinnati. Like, you have... You saw what the San Francisco 49ers did, and everyone's applauding it. They traded two first-round picks and a future third, and everyone's like, man, that's the move they had to make. And it's like the Denver Broncos would be in the same exact situation. And Jimmy G is a better quarterback than Drew Locke is. Like, you're, they're making less of an upgrade, essentially, San Francisco is, than the Broncos would be trading up from nine yeah. to, say, four to go get a Lance or potentially a Fields if Mac Jones goes at three. Like, you're in a position now where if you're hearing the same thing that Daniel Jeremiah is hearing, that... Chris Sims is hearing that the San Francisco 49ers are locking the Mac Jones. You should be licking your chops. You should be already on the phone with Atlanta trying to make a play. Similar to you know what San Francisco did well before the draft, trading up to number three. Like I do think that the Denver Broncos would be smart to get on the phone now and make sure they do that before, say, New England does or another team. Like That, I think, makes too much sense. But we'll see. All right, this is from Better Future for Denver. Would it benefit the Broncos to go cornerback in the first with Farley or Sertan and then double down to the second quarterback with someone like Newsom? Sitting at nine, Denver probably won't get a shot at the top three quarterbacks, and I think Lance will be better than Locke, but could be sort of a project similar to how Locke has been. Both Lance and Locke will have Denver picking in the top ten again next year. Given those thoughts, if Lance falls to nine, would it be a good idea for the Broncos to trade back and get more draft capital this year and next year so they can go get the franchise quarterback next year? A lot of people have made this comparison. Lance and Locke, both toolsy prospects with big arms and all that stuff. Why was Drew Locke drafted in the second round? Meanwhile, Trey Lance, since 2019, has been considered a top five, top ten pick. Don't be overconfident in your um, evaluation in that you see Lance and Locke as two similar players and don't want to invest in another project at quarterback. There's a reason Trey Lance is consensus considered an objectively better prospect than what Drew Locke was coming out of Missouri. Like Buy into that. Buy into the fact that Daniel Jeremiah, Chris Sims, yourself, Mel Kuyper, and I'm I'm sure your scouting team, the team in your front office for Denver, sees Lance as a better prospect than Drew Locke was. And for that reason, don't say, oh man, he's just another project quarterback with a big arm. He's different. Also, way better of an athlete. Way better of an athlete, way better of a runner, and could do more for your offense in that regard. And Drew Locke, four years as a starter at Missouri. Still did not have the pocket presence of Trey Lance in one year at, at, as a redshirt freshman at North Dakota State. And Trey Lance is the youngest quarterback in this draft class. He is not even 21 years old yet. He will get better, as quarterbacks do. So there's no shame in giving him some fucking competition. If, and if he can't hold up to that competition, well, shit, he wasn't going to be the guy anyways. All righty. Going to trade Sam Darnold. Should the Jets be trying to, that's his username, should the Jets be trying to roll over 20 plus mil and go harder in free agency next year or spend most of it this year? I want Kayvon Thibodeau on the Jets to finally answer our, our edge problems since Jonathan I Gabriel. do too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been that long. No, they did add Carl. I like what Carl the Jets Lawson. did this offseason. Yeah. Like Carl Lawson, I think was a fantastic signing. I really do think. Um, and they didn't shoot through, they still have $20 million cap space that yeah. they're going to roll over. They didn't shoot through all their cap space and just make. The plays of Jets of old. Yeah. They, they I mean, the went two, about it the right way. Now, maybe they, in retrospect, a little overpaid for Corey Davis with how the market for wide receivers shook out. But top five picks get paid, and he's a quality player. Like, you pay for certainty, and I think you got that with Corey Davis. Carl, Corey Davis and Carlton 
what the hell? Corey Davis and Carl Lawson are two of the bigger signings. They also got it, uh, Sheldon Rankins, which I kind of liked on that smaller deal that he signed with them. Like I like Sheldon Rankins a lot when he was like healthy for New Orleans and obviously added um, some other talent there as well. I mean, the Jets, I think, did a lot of good moves this offseason. And Kayvon Thibodeau is, yes. Haas. Top five, top 10. Now, is he going to be Chase, the Bosa's? This guy's kind of unicorns, but he's in that mix. Like what he did to Elijah Vera Tucker was criminal it was rated it was rated x you can't you have to be 18 or older to watch that tape you have to be 18 or older to watch that tape is that a social graphic all right <laughs> this is tickle whisper question 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 would you rather have two first round picks this year or at least one first and two seconds every single year well one every single year give me the perpetuity i don't yeah i don't I we would go every single year. In, uh, what, what, a, what class did I learn about perpetuities? I don't know. Some business course I took in Notre Dame. Perpetuities are good, though. You want you want money in perpetuity. Same. I mean, I think <laughs> anything in perpetuity is pretty decent it if it's gets, good. It, it grows quickly, perpetuity. My Just goodness. Would you rather have two first-round picks this year or two seconds for the rest of your life? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'll give it's you 100 bucks this year or $10 every single day for the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is from Nikki Sav, TikTok at Flex Reels. Okay, we can get this guy on TikTok. I like him inserting his TikTok like that. Flex Reels. How do you feel about the theoretical offseason for Big Blue? Should we look up Flex Reels? I'm going to look it up. Look it up. All right. Sign Andrew Norwell. That didn't happen, unfortunately. I'm sorry. He didn't even get released. Yeah. Draft Waddle in the first. I like. Asante Samuel Jr., God willing, he falls to second. He could. And Chaz Surratt in the third. Don't hate it. Which of those firm firmly day two linebackers in general do you think is the best fit next to Blake Martinez which of the top four wide receivers fits the Giants best yes Bateman not Pitts Bateman is higher on my board and I'm a Bama fan no disrespect to Devontae and what's your opinion of the safety trio the Giants have going on a lot of a lot of questions there I get a little better athlete next to Blake Martinez the firmly day two linebackers that we like on PFF's board now Jimmy Davis after his pro day may not be firmly day two anymore that might be day one those were day one athletic testing numbers but i do really like jabril cox in that like it offers a different skill set than blake martinez can play weak side there can play over the slot more be a little bit more flexible than blake martinez is who's kind of a, more of a true mike which the top four wide receivers fits the giants best now at this point and he's including rashad bateman it's a good question uh, they may not be the baggers may not be able to be choosers here at pick number 11. They might just be getting what falls to them. But I would love the Jalen Waddle fit there. Like you got Galladay. You got a sure big catch radius, number one. Get the guy who's going to pop the top off the D. Take attention away from him. Because Galladay's not, not a speedster, not, not a deep threat. I mean, in the, in the classical deep threat sense. Now, he can produce deep because he is fantastic, you know, route runner and good ball skills and can win at the catch point but Jalen Waddle is that got to count for him every time he's on the football field sort of guy quick break in the mailbag here to one tease the Monday episode we're talking watch some flex reels vids you can watch some flex reels vids the Monday episode we're gonna have Todd McShay on the podcast ESPN's Todd McShay is coming on the podcast on Monday one two he just dropped his latest mock draft he has the 49ers taking Mac Jones at three Mm. and then Pitts at four to the Falcons, Chase at five to the Bengals, Smith at six to the Dolphins. Seven, you have the Carolina Panthers trading up from eight to seven to secure Trey Lance. Fields is still on the board. 
Waddle to the Lions at eight, Sertan to the Broncos at nine, JC Horn to the Cowboys at 10. And then finally, Patriots trade up with the Giants to go get Justin Fields at 11. Man, the league is definitely lower on Fields than most of the media is. Definitely. We'll I've see. seen I've seen a handful of people say that the league is a little bit lower than field, on Fields. All takes is one. I mean, some people might be. Some of the league might be, sure. Yeah. Okay. Flex Reels posts a lot of... Uh... Flexing? No. I, that's what I thought it was going to be. He posts like football clips. Nice. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> this is from Gilligan54. No TikTok mention. Disregarding most things that would make these things possible. Interesting start. What would be most interesting for the NFL? Relegation slash promotion? That's number one. Two, elimination of the salary cap. Relegation promotion would be sweet. Now. No, it wouldn't. Because my team would. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it would. Sometimes. But Relegation because, and promotion would be awesome for a lot of American sports. Yes. I mean, it's, it's way more common. It's so way, explain what that is to the people who don't know what that is. So in the EPL, I want to say, if there's like multiple different levels of leagues. And if you finish in the X top X percent or X number of teams, you go up to the next level. If you finish in the bottom X number of teams, you go down a level. And so every year at the end of the year, you still have a lot to play for by the end of the year because you don't want to go, you don't want to be one of those bottom three teams and get relegated to a lower level, make less money as a franchise and be like yeah. in a shit situation. But the reason for that is, again, and we've talked about what our front office is incentivized to do. You know, like we signed Christian McCaffrey because he sells tickets and all this stuff. Yeah, You immediately incentivize all the front offices to do everything they can to win football games. And this you, year too, no exactly. tanking. Yeah, no tanking. You can't tank. If yeah. you tank, you're screwed because then you go to a lower level. It's like, imagine if the NFL, it was the NFL... The AAF, or no, the NFL, XFL, and the AAF, and the bottom two teams went down a level, and the top two teams from those other levels go up. Yeah. Imagine what that would do to the competitiveness of the league, and also the, how how different the decisions would be in the NFL. I don't think another running back would get a second contract. <laughs> like you would not be paying these. You would be making. You'd be, you would be you'd be way more interested in the data available to you to help you yeah. win football games. You'd see way more teams, you know, going forward on fourth downs. You'd be see so many more coaches and front offices less comfortable in staying in their archaic ways that have been around for so long. And, and it it would kind of the franchises around the league that skim off the sort of fact that the TV deal in the NFL gives equally to Don't all teams. Don't subtweet Quinn's franchise like this. But they're it's a fucking real thing that like kind of yeah. they make actual money decisions instead of winning decisions would not be able to exist like they would go down a league and then you would the money decision would be yes out the door you'd fold as a franchise if that's the case. So I think Mark Titus the college basketball analyst formerly Ohio State basketball player club trillion blog one of my favorite blogs ever. Wow. Said it best. He said, this would be the most American idea if we had just come up with it. Fair. That's Everyone would be pounding the table for this if it hadn't been Can you European, imagine Europeans the competitiveness that came up with this of idea. the league in like weeks like 15, yeah. 16, 17, and now 18 yeah. when you're going to have the, you know, the buy in the 17 And it games. really is like the most American, like the American dream is relegation promotion coming from nothing and going to something. That would be relegation post. So that would be like much better. Fucking, I would love that. You, Elimination you, of salary cap would stink. I don't. I would not like that. You have like the Tulsa Tornadoes and the AAF just grinding their way up all yeah. the way to the XFL, and then they win that, and then now they're in the league. I mean, come on, that would be awesome. That would be sick. I mean, I wish. Uh, I wish the league would do it. You know what? Here's a here's a great follow up. The NFL will never do it because you know who loses in that situation? The rich white people that own the teams. I mean, the rich people at the, the top are not going to be like, yeah, I love that idea. Honestly, you had to start with it. Yeah, you can't just implement it because you have how many teams would be against it because of how 
how much money you'd lose. Yeah, like, like, or potentially, or lose. potentially, yeah. No one wants to potentially you're lose ready. any money. It's kind of, it's that thing where you're already the top dog. You don't have to innovate when you're the top dog. And we've talked about it before. Like these people are not making decisions to make the league more competitive. These people are making decisions to make more money. And if you put together a vote and it's like, hey, we want to do this because we think the games would be more competitive and fun, but you might lose more money. It's like, oh, see ya. Yeah. I don't care about the competitiveness. I feel like baseball might have to do this, to be honest. That's actually not a bad take. Not a bad take. At baseball viewership too. is dropping significantly. Yeah. I think the other thing there too, and it's kind of on the topic, we haven't talked about it on this podcast, but the whole... Um, you know, Supreme Court looking at the NCAA and paying players. And then you see some of the arguments saying, did you see the quote from the guy who said our consumers like watching sports unpaid. because of their unpaid people? I don't think that's a bad take, though. I think there are people that elaborate. That elaborate. I, I think there are people that buy into the fact that these are s- students, mm-hmm. whether that's true or not, that they're just like us, the guys at school, and that they're not uh, paid athletes. And that it would lose something if they were. I think that's a real thing. There are people that actually believe that. That's interesting. I, to a degree, would feel that way. If it's like a pure salaried system, it would not be as interesting to me. Interesting. I do think that um, I don't. I don't care how much they're paid. I just feel like I just want to watch good football. That's that's my take. But I do think um, they should be paid. <laughs> I, I just think it should be. Um, rights and like the uh, was it personal oh yeah being able to make money off your own name yeah likeness likeness rights that makes no sense that you can't yeah fair enough that's like purely the school paying a player i have no interest in that ever being the thing but being able to make money off yourself and the fact that if you're a famous college football player you can't go do a you can't go do an ad for a local car uh dealership why not yeah like I think I think there's there's room on both sides. I I would argue that if there's a business, regardless if it's a fucking your favorite college football team, if there's a business making a lot a lot of money off people not getting paid, let's look at it a little bit. Let's just take a look. Let's just see how it's going. You're making billions of dollars, and all of your employees or whatever don't make any money except for the coaches and stuff like that, just because they're a little bit older. Not because they're adults. They're just a little bit older. <laughs> just a little bit older, and whatever it may be. And I do think the other room of that other room to improve, maybe if you're still looking to not pay these guys for whatever reason. Why can't you transfer however I want? I want if I don't want to be they here, can't why can't I just go? I'm I'm leaving and I'm going to go play for another school. It's like, no, you have to do a year. We own you. Like, what are you talking about? You don't owe shit. I'm going to go play for Alabama and I don't need this year of eligibility bullshit. I think they've done that, right? No, you still you still have guys who don't have eligibility to play another year. Trey Walker has to enter the NFL because they won't let him play for Mississippi State this year. It's like why? Oh, was it? It was an yeah. undergrad. It's like what's just grad transfer still? Yeah. Like what's the point? Like what are you doing? You don't own my rights to play football and trying to make money in my life. I don't know. Some of that stuff I think is still kind of ridiculous. A little bit of a tangent. Christian Pacelli. I'm saying Pacelli. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Giants. Who would the fit the Giants best at eleven? Pitts, Waddle, Smith, or Chase? Any? Yes. That's the answer. Well, okay. If you had to choose one, come on. <sighs> If I had to choose one, I mean, Pitts is highest on the PFF draft board. There you go, Pitts. And, and again, Pitts not redundant to any tight end in the NFL because he can just go out wide and be completely good too. Fair enough. This is definitely not Ty. That's his name. Definitely not Ty. Hey, guys, love the pod. With this year being a down year for edge rushers, who do you think is a first-round edge rusher next year? Kayvon Thibodeau? Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'll also add, oh, gosh, why did I, how did I just forget the name? Nick, yes, Nick Benito, and then the Washington guy, Zion. Ooh, Tupuli uh, Fioli or something yes. like that. Yes. Zion Tupuola Fatui. Those three I feel fairly good about being first-round type edge rushers. 
Dude, what did I say? <laughs> I don't even know what I said. Nick Benito. No, no. I, how I pronounced that oh. or tried to say that name. Yeah. I won't say it again. Um, but yeah, those guys are awesome. And, and, and then more. the Ohio State guy too. Oh, I'm so bad at this. You're so locked in on the 2021 class. I know. But the Ohio State guy is going to be good too. I'll, I'll go look it up. You, you've asked this next question. All right, this, is from, this is from rjake106. With Mackenzie Alexander and Wash William Jackson III possibly leaving, they both did, how would you guys attack free agency in the draft for the both slot and cornerback 1-2? Is it worth attempting to get a Desmond King and a possible second rounder and Asante or JC? JC's probably going in the first now, but I would, Asante in the second is possible. Or is it better to bet on Greg Newsom, Molden, or Wade in the later rounds? Also, Wade's fall from grace has been wild to say the least, so how much of his play has, was impacted by switching positions, limited defensive install, install, and inconsistencies with scheduling due to pandemic? A lot of questions here, a lot of bacon. I do like what they did adding Mike Hilton. Getting Mike Hilton to play yes. the slot there was awesome. And I think they added another outside corner as well. I don't remember who. Or no, they added... Um, Chidobe Awuzie. I yeah. think those two moves, considering the price they paid, was solid. And yeah. you can continue to get better at that position in the draft. Budget E signings, who guys who can outplay their contracts in free agency, that's always a nice level of free agency to be at, in my opinion. The guy from Ohio State, by the way, Zach Harrison, monster, 6'6", 265. Get ready. But <laughs> what was the other question here? Yeah, <laughs> so the, the other question was, how, talk about Sean Wade's fall. From Sean Grace. Wade's fall from Grace. He just doesn't have the feet to play outside cornerback. No shame in saying that. Not everyone does. It's a very difficult transition. That's why we kept saying it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. You can't draft this guy where you would draft an Okuda, where you would draft um, Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett. Because it's a vastly different skill set. And that's why he came back to school is because he probably got an eval saying, hey, like we don't see you as an outside cornerback. Yeah, because it's a completely different thing. And, they, and he showed it. And now, obviously... He will get better there. It is only his first year playing there. He's not getting reps in practice on the outside until this past fall. And again, it was a shortened season, was impacted by the pandemic, didn't get that. So sadly, I, I still don't think, though, even with more reps, that he would be a coveted guy on the outside. His physicality, athleticism, I think he could, I think he could play at safety still. I, but I don't think he's your... He's your NFL-type slot cornerback in that he's a little taller, not as sudden in the short area, but he's very physical. I, I, I do think he's safety and can be a good one, but it's like, again, you're completely different position altogether than any position he's played in college. This is from Bspot 75.4. What is the best quarterback scheme fit in the draft in the late day two or day three for my Bears? <laughs> Dude, this is desperado. <laughs> Andy Dalton, you don't want to start him. Let's go find Kellen Mond or Davis Mills. Give this guy somebody. Best scheme fit. I'm going to go with Davis Mills. Love it. You keep saying the Derek Carr type operator. Get the ball in your hands. Davis Mills is the closest to that. And the draft class four. Jim Nagy just tweeted saying that Davis Mills and Kellen Mond aren't leaving round two. Like those guys are being highly coveted by NFL teams. Yeah, I could see that. And I could see the Bears being one of them because fucking desperation's a stinky, stinky, stinky thing. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> stinky, stinky thing. <laughs> Can we cut that, please, Quinn? I need that tattoo. We don't somewhere. need that. All right. All right. Um, one more question? One more question. Let's see. Last one here from Marcus Vaccaro. 
What are some players you see as possible position change to become more successful pros? I'm thinking of Sean Wade. So this is another Sean Wade question. I'm thinking of Sean Wade shifting to safety like Malcolm Jenkins or maybe Dylan Mobus, Moses moving to speed rushing edge. I will say Moses on his tape, I think from his freshman season, has a rep against Mekhi Becton where you're like, oh man, this guy can really turn the yeah. corner. Like he... And I don't know. He's just so small, though. I don't. Yes. It's it's tough, man. Dylan Moses. It's a tough. The guy. I, the guy. I would say, and you mentioned an Ohio State guy there, and Sean Wade. But the guy I want to move is Baron Browning, to the edge. Yeah. Body type, length, athleticism, it is all like ideal for an edge defender. Played off ball at Ohio State. He would rush the pass some off the edge, and those were like his most impressive reps. That's who I would highlight. Tackle guard converts, tackle interior converts. That's like, who cares? Those, yeah. those are more nothing. common. Those are common. Um, are Darius Washington moving to slot cornerback? I would love to see. I think you could have a lot of success there. I said Trill Williams, the slot cornerback, moving to outside cornerback, Syracuse guy. I would love to see. Kendrick Green, a defensive tackle, maybe. <laughs> Just for fun. Just to see, Just how, see it how it feels. Exactly. Yeah, those are guys I would highlight as move them could be better at their respective positions then awesome well that's gonna do it for this mailbag we are through i think march 12th or at least close through march 12th we had a ton of reviews with the draft guy giveaway we are continuing to work against this we're going to continue to fight through these mailbags try and get everyone's questions answered until next time austin gale producer mike quinn producer david Zofaro, mike renner two for one drops.